You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. Welcome to a groundbreaking critical conversation series of served up podcast episodes recorded live at the vibrant Maya event at the Tales of the Cocktail. Get ready for a riveting lineup of episodes that delve deep into the heart of what the beverage industry truly cares about, from sipping on powerful discussions about diversity, equity, and belonging, to raising a glass to conversations about the oppressive shadow of censorship, and even toasting to the importance of cherishing the elders of the LGBTQ plus community, and so much more. We're here to uncork critical conversations that will leave you inspired, informed, and ready for action. So get ready, folks, because we're about to get served up a series of these conversations that will quench your thirst for knowledge, ignite your passion for progress, and leave you with a renewed sense of purpose. Let's do this. It's Bridget here. Welcome book enthusiasts and community advocates to another episode of Served Up. Really excited about this episode as we embark on a journey through the world of books, stories, and the profound impact that they have on communities. Joining us is an individual whose passion for literacy has no bounds, the director of the Friends of the New Orleans Public Library, Shannon Satanovich. Welcome to Served Up Critical Conversations. We are so excited to be here at Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. I have a really special co-host with me for this episode, Miss Lynn House. And if you don't already know Lynn, Lynn is a Heaven Hill Portfolio Ambassador. And I'm just so excited to have you here today. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Bridget. This is, um, it's great to be here. Um, I'm super excited to be talking about this topic of banning books and public libraries and how important books are in society. Um, I just think there are the windows to different cultures, different ethnicities, um, histories. um, You know, books are what make us just great, empathetic human beings. And I'm super excited about our guest that we have here today, uh, Shannon Satanovich. And Shannon is the director, if I get this correctly here, the director of um, of uh, Friends of the New Orleans Public Library. Yes, excellent. So welcome. Thank you so much and, for having uh, we're me. We're excited about this conversation. 
Great. Well, Thank you so much. Welcome, Shannon. Glad so happy to, be here. to have you here. Can you tell us really what the Friends of New Orleans Public Library is all about and how you became involved in the organization? Sure. So the mission of Friends of New Orleans Public Library is to raise funds to support the programming that the library does, whether it's for story time for little kids, whether it's for adult literacy programs for people who need that. We're there to help meet the gap that might exist between the needs and what city funding provides. But also, we have a responsibility to be advocates for the public library, to speak up if we see some challenges that our libraries are facing, and just letting the public know about all the resources that are at the public library, but also if we perceive of any threats to the library and the services that it offers. That's excellent. I mean, that's great work that you guys are doing and definitely much needed right now. Um, definitely. I mean, I wish, I always tell people my job is making the dreams of librarians come true, meaning getting art supplies for their projects. I wish that were all I had to do, but these days things are a bit more challenging. And we have to also talk about how our library buildings are being taken care of. We need to talk about threats um, that come from the outside to public libraries and to librarians when it comes to banned books. We just have a lot to think about. Again, I wish it were just as simple as buying some art supplies for crafts, but it is much more than that right now. No, it's, it's become a very complex world um, and all the challenges. But I think when we start with it, we start with what are in libraries or books. Um, can you talk a little bit about books, why books are so important, why people should be reading books? why these books shouldn't be banned? Right. I think it's exactly what you had said earlier, Lynn. They make us more empathetic. When I got my first public library card, I was five years old, and I was living in a tiny town that is in the tip of the boot that is Louisiana, so way down the road in a very rural area where your job options were a fish processing plant or working offshore in the oil business. Very, not a whole lot of cultural activities, but for me, the public library was everything because it was a window to cultures that weren't my own. It allowed me a place to pursue whatever my dreams were, whatever I was interested in at the time, whether it was dinosaurs or birds or whatever I was obsessed with. And I will never forget the public librarian at that little rural public library who said to me one day, I'm always excited to see what you check out. And when you're a little kid, knowing that someone is paying attention to you and interested and encouraging is a wonderful feeling. So I think public libraries are there to give people access to information that they need, whether it's reading about other people's experiences, getting health information, or just enjoying respite from the, day, the world and being in a library and reading and just getting away from it all. Yeah, you just uh, brought up a really great memory for me. My favorite book as a kid was James and the Giant Peach. Yes. <laughs> and I, I mean, they had to have three library cards just for me because I kept rechecking it out and rechecking it out. And um, I can remember one time going and it was like missing and the librarian had the phone number and called my parents when it was back and got that book. So those, you know, those librarians really were, you know, just great teachers for oh, us. Oh, they're the best. I mean, no one goes into librarianship for glory or for money. You are there to serve the public. And what concerns me right now is that the demands we're placing on librarians is so great. It's not just, again, the threat, and a real threat in some 
municipalities of criminal charges if you are perceived to be sharing inappropriate information with minors. But in a general sense, I think in this country, libraries fill a gap in social services. If people's needs are not getting met in larger society, they come to the library for help. Whether it's people who need a high school diploma, people need help finding health care, they need help finding housing, they come to the library because that's the place and the people that they trust. But that is asking a lot of librarians. You know, I remember seeing on the door of our local um, public housing office, the note on the door said, if you need help filling out your application, go to the library. And I guarantee you, no one asked the librarians if that was okay. That's a, you know, that's a lot to put on a library and we take it for granted, you know, that the library is going to be there and is going to help everyone. So we are asking our librarians to do a lot and to fill gaps in our society that unfortunately, in my opinion, we're not meeting. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I think the library has always been a soft place to land. I know for me as a kid, it was where I could escape um, some things I needed to escape from and a place to be creative. And I could always find a vacation, a different world, a fantasy, you know, something to take me out of my situation. Right. As and a how child. much did they charge you for that experience? How much did Nothing. you have to pay? Exactly. And it was free. And I was about your age when I got my first library card, as was my brother. And it was such a treat to go there every week with my mother. You know, just even just smelling yes. the books in your hands. With that said, I want to talk about reading. And in the era that's really dominated by technology and the rise of ebooks and audiobooks, how can libraries really adapt to meet the needs to those readers? Right. I mean, I think, first of all, as someone who spent 12 years of my career directing adult literacy programs, I feel like whatever you want to read, however you want to read it, is fine by me. I just want people reading, whether you do it ebooks, traditional books, it does not matter to me. That said, I think librarians have always been ahead of the curve and looking for ways to give people the information they want in a way that they can access it. You know, we saw that particularly during COVID-19 when librarians were making sure people knew what folks could access online. You know, when we couldn't get into our library branches, you know, they were there making sure that we understood what was available online for us. Librarians want people to have information. They want to share it. You know, they have classes available to help people who are a little insecure about their online skills, how to get online and access materials. But I think librarians do everything they can to present things to the public in ways that they can understand. We still have CDs available. We still have DVDs available. However you want your information, the library has it. No, I think it's important. It's a really, really great resource. And, you know, it's unfortunate the challenges that are being thrown out at librarians and public libraries and funding and it's all really around this topic of banned books, you know, which I know we both believe, and I'm sure you do too, that, I mean, that's just a form of censorship. And what that does is it, um, audiences that are, are being targeted that are already probably underserved, you know, so what do we, what do, we do? What, what, what can we as communities do to really kind of support libraries and combat that and, and get the message across about how important it is to read books and to be involved. What I think everybody can do is 
just watching what's happening in your state to see if legislation is coming up either in your city or in the, or statewide that would restrict access to books and then to speak up about it. You know, I heard someone say this is the one time we, when we can't use our library voice. We need to be loud and let people know that we are not in support of measures that take information away. What you know, when we look at the data, most Americans do not support these acts. But what we do have, I think a misconception is that efforts to ban certain books at different libraries or school libraries is because of one parent who is agitated. That is not the case. These are, tend to be groups that are well-funded and have strategy and are systematically you know, going to library systems across the country. I know we've heard from one group in Louisiana that has said they will go to all 64 parishes. You know, we have, don't have counties, we have parishes. That they will go to all 64 parishes and, and put in complaints about the books that are held at all library systems. And what we need to do is be loud about it. The other thing to your other question about the importance of reading, I think first is if reading is important to you and you want it to be important to your children, you need to be a reader. You need to have books in your house and you need to be showing the people in your life that you are a reader. And then it is just making book sharing a habit. Giving books to kids and adults in your life, that is the, the cherished gift. It is books and you give it, you know, give it to people, you know, whether they read them or not, Lynn, look, we just want books out in circulation. But I find when we make it an example you know, when parents read, kids read. And to me, that's the most important message I would want to get across. If you want your children to be readers, parents have to read. That's true. And you have to read to them as well. Absolutely. So that they can, you know, hear that and start to form Absolutely. and develop those language Absolutely. skills. Absolutely. I mean, they learn very quickly by watching us what's important to us. And when I hear parents say, I don't know why my child is not a reader. Look, I get it. For some kids, it's just not who they are. You know, I have some kids like that in my family who are much more active kids. But also, I would say, library going has to be a habit. And it becomes, like to your experience, Bridget, the joyful experience of youth. Because that's how it was for me. I was so excited every time we walked up the steps to my library. And when I look back, in my mind, that rural library was a huge palace. But mm -hmm. as an adult, I realized not so much. It was a tiny little place, but to me, it held everything. But I think kids pick up on what's important to us, and we need to demonstrate that. So I do that with my nieces and my nephews, taking them to the library and being excited about it. You know, with that said, how do we re-engage adults into the library system and really keep them engaged in supporting the libraries beyond passing it on to your children? Because I do think that as an adult, a lot of times you kind of, you know, everything gets demystified a bit. Maybe it's not so exciting to pick up that book because I can be playing Wordle on my iPad or whatever right. it might be, right? Right. And so how do we encourage really adults to stay engaged and, and to pick up a book? Right. So what we're finding statistically is that younger adults in America are coming back to the public library. And part of that is driven by cost. You know, again, when we're paying so much for streaming services online and we're looking to cut corners, the library has so much of that for free. Also, I think in some ways we are looking for a way to slow down and I see the library as a place where that can happen, where you can go in for an hour and it's just, it's your time. You know, also I think 
public librarians in particular do a very good job at looking at the needs of the adults in their community and rising up to meet those needs. I can speak to New Orleans as a city where, unfortunately, we have a high number of adults who don't have high school diplomas and need them to get into the workforce. As such, our public library has a very robust adult literacy program because it's needed. But I think the special magic of public librarians is that they can look at the needs of children and adults in their communities and say, this is what I think is needed, and then put that out there in public programming. So I think engagement with adults happens when public librarians are making a conscious effort to bring them in. And it has been a challenge since COVID, I will say, when you have people who've gotten out of the habit of going to the public library. But again, statistically, we're seeing that younger adults are coming back in droves because they enjoy that experience in the library. And also, it's free. You know, when we are all stretched so tightly financially, the library is free, available to all, and so much is available to you. No, I definitely, I mean, I live in Chicago, mm -hmm. and I know our local library. I've seen a lot more, particularly since COVID, adult engagement. Um, it's actually where I go vote. Oh, fantastic. And so every single time fantastic. I go, I walk through, I'm like, I've got to remind myself to come. They oh, have absolutely. music night, movie night, storytelling, and all the different resources. So I do think it's really important for everybody listening to remember what a great resource absolutely. public libraries are. I mean filling out your taxes. <laughs> yeah, it's As not a saying. quiet place anymore. No. It's a loud, fun, exciting place. And at its best, it reflects the community that it serves. You know, I was at an event at our public library last week. We had a young jazz band playing. Wonderful. It was the best of New Orleans to me to see young musicians getting some experience playing in public to an audience that was so delighted to have them. It was just an absolute joy. Oh, but, you know, lovely. I am concerned as we're moving forward, and I think about the future of librarianship, I hope that people are not discouraged from entering in this field when they see what is happening. Because the phrase that I hear often is what they call the chilling effect, which when you see that librarians are targeted, why would you want to go into that field? So that is something that we at Friends really try to encourage our staff, our library staff members, pursue their degrees so they can move up in their field. We have scholarships that we give to that effect. We want to encourage them to move up. But I cannot lie, I can understand, you know, again, you're not going into this field for money, glamour, and then to have these threats, it is a lot to take on. Yeah, I know. It's, um, what would you say for somebody who is thinking about librarianship, though? Like, where's a good place for them to start? I mean, what I would say is the first thing to do, if you're interested in librarianship, is I would immediately get involved at your public library. If you can, you know, for so many positions at the library, you're required to have a master's degree in library science, which can take a few years, and that's an expensive endeavor. You may want to try working at your private, your public library, at, you know, just clerking as an associate to begin with and see how you like it. What I have seen with some people, I see some people who love books but are not as great with people and that the front, the public facing library positions may not be for them, but there are plenty of other places for them in the library. I've also seen some people at the public library who are so gifted at working with the public, being consistently kind, 
helpful and generous. They're the ones who need to be on the front lines. So I think at the public library, there's room for everyone, but you may want to dip your feet in those waters just to see if it is what you want to invest your time and money in. Because for so many to advance to management, you do need that master's degree. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Shannon, can you share how our listeners can support the Friends, particularly of the New Orleans Public Library? Sure. So Friends of New Orleans Public Library, as I said, we're an organization that supports public programming at the library. And by that, we mean activities that are free, activities that enrich the public. Again, whether it's Mardi Gras crafting for little kids to adult activities. We are there. And I always say it's our librarians who come up with the best ideas, and it's our job to fundraise and make it happen. So if people want to support the Friends, they can do that a few ways. They can always donate on our website, which is friendsnola.org. If people are local or in New Orleans, we do have book sales. We sell used books year-round to raise money for our programs. That is located uptown at the Ladder Library. We have a little carriage house behind an old mansion on St. Charles Avenue, and that's where we sell books three days a week. And all that information is on our website at friendsnola.org. But if you're looking for something to do at home, I would say speak up. If you see legislation targeting your public library or your school library, which is something we have to remember, this is not just targeting public libraries. School libraries are also being targeted. It is much wider than we think. And it is a definite threat, in my opinion, to these kids who just need information. I mean, I cannot imagine what it must be like as a young person who's, who has questions about their, identi- uh, their identity and all they are hearing from people around them is, those books aren't for you, those books aren't available. What is that telling you about who you are? And I think it's just a horrifying thing. I can remember talking to recently a school librarian in a rural part of Louisiana who talked about how many kids she knew in her school who committed suicide over these issues. And that is a reality. And I think anything we can do to make kids feel good about themselves, encourage them to you know, research, whether it's sexuality, how you're feeling, your health, what have you, grief, make that open to them. Why would we hide that? It's just, to me, it is, we are at a sad point in this country. I mean, libraries should be for good. We should not be fighting these fights right now, but that's where we are. Yeah, definitely. I I echo what you're saying. People need to speak up, be vocal, talk, have those conversations with your family members, with your neighbors, you know. Yeah. Even ask them why why this book why are, why don't you want this book to have access exactly. and have people to kind of develop that critical thinking as to why they're making these decisions which to me are quite ridiculous. Oh, absolutely! I mean, they're saying that some you know, obscenity has its own legal definition, but a lot of these laws are just targeting anything that portrays sexual acts or anything. It's so vague. And those laws are written in a vague way, in my opinion, on purpose. And again, it has a chilling effect on librarians, on school libraries, and especially, I think, on the kids who might be looking for this information. Right. You know, I think about when I would go to the library as a kid, I just wanted information about dinosaurs and birds. But I think as a teenager, you want information about how you're changing and how you're feeling. And you want to get it from a place that's there to support you, and that's your public library. Right. 
100%. They are our safe spaces. Shannon, I just want to thank you for coming on Served Up today and for just reminding us the power of books and where books can take you and how to share those books and create experiences. And like Lynn just said, you know, a beautiful safe space for all. So thank you for taking the time to be on Served Up Critical Conversations. And thank you, Lynn, for being an amazing co-host today. Thank you for um, having me be a part of this conversation. You know, it's something very passionate to me. I'm a, I'm a grandmother, so, you know, I want to see my grandchildren have access to all of that. So thank right. you, Shannon. Great conversation. And to echo, I would just encourage everybody to go out, support your public library, read a book, read a magazine, listen to an e-book. Exactly. You know, it just, just makes the world a better place. Right. Just go out and get a library card. Just get a library out. card. It's, it's a free. Vote. It's free, and it's a vote to me for your public library. Awesome. 100%. Thank you guys so much. Cheers to you both. Cheers, Cheers. to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!